your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Good afternoon, and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, an international nonprofit organization dedicated to providing support, education, and hope to people with cancer and their loved ones. Our services are offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. April is National Cancer Fatigue Awareness Month, and today we're devoting our entire episode to help raise awareness of the most common side effect from cancer treatment. There's much to discuss on today's show, but before we begin, let's move to a segment we call Cancer in the News, which highlights the latest cancer headlines. I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is today's Cancer in the News. According to a recent report, people who have undergone surgery for pancreatic cancer and are classified as obese don't live as long as those who are not obese. A study, which was conducted by the University of Texas at Houston, looked at the outcomes of 285 patients with pancreatic cancer who were all treated at the MD Anderson Cancer Center. Obesity was classified as a body mass index, or BMI, of 30 or more. Cancer was 12 times more likely to be found to have spread to the lymph nodes in patients with BMIs of 35 or more compared to those with lower BMIs. For patients with a BMI higher than 35, average survival was 13.2 months compared with 27.4 months for those with a BMI of less than 23. The cancer recurred in 95% of patients with a BMI above 35, while those with lower BMIs had a recurrence rate of 61%. The results, researchers conclude, suggest that obesity is a host factor affecting tumor biology independent of the difficulties involved in delivering oncologic care in obese patients. In other news, a new study is raising questions about the effectiveness of prostate-specific antigen screening tests, or PSA, for prostate cancer. As many as two of every five men whose prostate cancer was caught through a PSA screening test have tumors that are too slow growing to ever be a threat. Results point to the possibility that prostate cancer is being overdiagnosed in patients. Most men who undergo a biopsy for an abnormal PSA test turn out not to have prostate cancer. High PSAs often signal a benign and large prostate. Of those who do have cancer, there's no proof yet that early detection saves lives. As most prostate tumors grow so slowly that had they not been screened, those men would have died of something else without the anxiety. And because some treatments can cause incontinence and impotence, men whose tumors wouldn't have been a threat can suffer serious side effects for no gain. I'm Bill Schaefer, and that's today's Cancer in the News. As I mentioned at the top of the show, April is National Cancer Fatigue Awareness Month. Fatigue is the most common side effect of cancer treatment occurring in over 90% of patients. Cancer-related fatigue has many causes, including the cancer itself, uh, cancer treatment, medication, and, and even psychological factors like stress and anxiety or lack of sleep, a lack of exercise, and, and lack of proper nutrition. Uh, the wellness community has a free educational resource available called Frankly Speaking About Cancer Treatment. 
uh, take control of side effects with medicine, mind, and body. Um, this program is supported through an educational grant from Amgen, uh, and the booklet and corresponding workshops provide practical tips and tools to educate and empower people affected by cancer to play an active role in their cancer treatment. Uh, today's show is uh, taking, frankly speaking, about cancer treatment one step further because today we're joined by two very special guests who will provide both personal and professional advice on what you and your loved ones can do to help cope with fatigue and other side effects from cancer treatment. First, we're joined by uh, Astrid Nicastri, a two-time cancer survivor and participant at our wellness community in Greater Miami. Welcome, Astrid. Hi. Um, It's nice to be on the show, and um, nice to talk to everybody about this. Thanks, Astrid. And we're also here with Ruth Goles, who has been a registered nurse for over 33 years. Ruth works for the Veterans Affairs and also sits on the board of the Oncology Nursing Society. Thanks for being here, Ruth. Hi. um, I'm an oncology clinical nurse specialist, and I'm a past member of the board of the Oncology Nursing Society. I just wanted to... clarify that, but I'm, I'm thrilled to be here because I'm passionate about quality cancer care. Thank you so much, Ruth. And we are really pleased to have both of you here, and uh, I really want to jump into the conversation. Um, Astrid, you are a two-time cancer survivor, and you have a truly uh, incredible story to tell our listeners. Will you please share your cancer story with us? I'm sure I'd be very happy. It all began when I was 12 years old. Um, at the age of 12, um, I had a severe attack, and I was rushed to the hospital where um, the doctors told us that um, I had a malignant brain tumor and um, brain cancer, and I immediately had surgery on cri- the day after Christmas morning, mm-hmm. and after I came out of surgery, I could not see, I could not talk. I had to learn everything over again. My mind was intact, intact, but I was in the body of a baby. After um, extensive treatments from that, especially a lot of rehabilitation, um, I then um, was fine, and I pretty much went on with my life mm-hmm. until I received another brain tumor in 2006. And, um, and with that, uh, it was benign, so fortunately, other than more rehabilitation, I was good to go. Yeah. And then I had my last brain ca- uh, breast cancer. Sorry about that. Advanced breast cancer um, when I was 29, and it was stage 3B4. I was on a cliff of um, it possibly spreading throughout my body, and the doctors were not sure, so right away I received trans, um, treatment for that. And now I'm 31, mm-hmm. and I don't have any cancer, and I'm extremely happy about that. Wow, Astrid, that's <laughs> yeah. really Thank you. an amazing story, an amazing story. Um, and I really am uh, pleased that you're, you're here today to tell us about uh, that incredible experience. Um, I, I want to um, talk a little bit about um, the topic at hand, about side effect management, and I want to ask you, uh, Ruth, what are, let, let's start with sort of general terms. What are some of the most 
uh, common cancer treatment side effects that people experience, fatigue obviously being one of them that we're going to have a little bit of a focus on today. But, but overall, what are the most common cancer treatment side effects that people report and, and, and talk about or that people are concerned about? I think the key players in uh, cancer care today are anemia, where their blood cell counts drop, nausea and vomiting. Um, we've come a long way with management of nausea and vomiting. Fatigue is huge, and unfortunately, it, it lasts for a long time. Mm-hmm. Some um, neuropathy, some sexual dysfunction. Can you tell people what neuropathy is? Neuropathy is where there's a change in... Um, primarily, it starts in your fingers and toes where they start to tingle, get numb, may have difficulty buttoning something or picking up a dime. Okay. So you said anemia, and tell us, tell us again what anemia is, Ruth. Anemia is the outcome of the cancer therapy because the cancer affects the cells that are dividing rapidly. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of the areas of the body that divides rapidly are your blood cells. Okay. So anemia is your hemoglobin where your red blood cells drop. Another thing that can occur is neutropenia, where your white blood cells or your infection fighters drop or your platelets drop. That's called thrombocytopenia, and the platelets help you so that you don't bleed and your blood does clot. Okay. That's a big problem that we're seeing. Okay, so let's list them again. We've got anemia, which is a drop or a decrease in your red blood cells. Right. We have, uh, you talked about nausea and vomiting, which I'm sure folks know what that is. You say we've come a long way in managing that. We've talked about uh, fatigue, and we're going to spend a little bit more time on that topic. Um, and then you talked about neuropathy, which is a numbing and tingling in the hands and the feet, mainly in the extremities. Is that right? Right, right. Okay. So um, so, so, tell us why, why is it important for folks to, to understand these side effects and understand how to manage these side effects from their, from their cancer treatment? I think it's very, very important for people to realize that they can play a, a large role in the quality of their life. <laughs> and part of that is self-care management, um, keeping a log, letting people know what side effects they might be experiencing. Everybody is individual. You can't expect one person to have the same side effect as the other. And unfortunately, a lot of people tend to say, well, so-and-so did not have that side effect, so I'm not going to get it. That's not um, the norm. So it's really important that we teach them to um, be alert to any signs and symptoms of infection or bleeding, identify any shortness of breath or chest pain, that they have numbers for the physician or the nurse to get in touch with in 24 hours so that there's no problems. And very often a lot of these things can occur quickly, so we need to identify them and take care of them quickly. So we really need to make sure folks are educated about these things. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad we're having this conversation today. Yeah. Um, Astrid, when you were going through your cancer experience, uh, we, we've talked about the, the fact that, that many of these side effects are as a result of the, the actual cancer uh, treatment. Astrid, Astrid, just walk us through some of the treatments that you had when you were going through your, your cancer experiences. Okay. Um, let me first mention, I forgot to tell you the yes. dates of my um, treatment of you know, for when I first had my um, brain cancer, that was in um, 89, and my breast cancer was in um, 2008. But um, the treatments that I did have um, for the brain cancer, um, I had extensive radiation 
Um, I think I had seven weeks of daily radiation for that after surgery. Um, For my breast cancer, because the tumors, um, where they were and everything, because it was so advanced, um, I was very inoperable at that time. So they had to put me through eight sessions of chemotherapy um, in order to um, shrink the tumors so that they could operate on me. And so after surgery, um, I had radiation to the area that was affected. Um, And also with surgery, I did have five of my lymph nodes removed, and I had um, my right breast removed as well. So you were going to take a break in just a minute, Astrid, but it sounds like you've been through quite the range of treatments. So you you have had uh, surgery, you've had radiation, you've had chemotherapy. Yes. Is that that right? Yes, I've had all of those, and I'm very happy to be finished with them. (laughs) And so when you you were first diagnosed in 89, did you you had both surgery and radiation? Yes. And then when you were diagnosed with the breast cancer, you had surgery and radiation and chemo? Yes. Wow, wow. It's an an incredible story. Um, We are going to take uh, a quick break. This is frankly speaking about cancer uh, with the wellness community. April is National Cancer Fatigue Awareness Month. Uh, We are talking about side effect management today. Uh, We have two amazing guests with us. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. It attacks the brain, and you might not know what hit you. It's a stroke, and it can cripple or kill you. If suddenly you're numb or weak on one side, limb, or face, it could be a stroke. Get help. There's no time to waste. It could even be a sudden, severe headache without cause. If you wait to get help, time lost is brain lost. Maybe it's a loved one slurring their speech or dizzy. Call 911 and get medical help quickly. There are even more symptoms that I did not mention. So call or hit the web for information and prevention. Blacks have a higher occurrence. Do you want to know more? Call 1-888-4-STROKE or visit www.strokeassociation.org. High blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity. All make the risk of a stroke more likely. But remember, if it happens, do not delay. Or disability might be the price you pay. A public service message brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today we're talking about how to manage your side effects from cancer treatment. April is National Cancer Fatigue Awareness Month, and today we're joined by Ruth Galls, a, a, a registered oncology nurse, and Astrid Nicastri, a two-time cancer survivor and participant at our wellness community of Greater Miami. Uh, we've learned a little bit about what Astrid experienced when she went through her multiple diagnoses of cancer, um, but I'd, I'd like to talk to, uh, to you, Astrid, a little bit about some of the side effects that you experienced from treatment. Uh, before the break, you told us that you've been really in two, two different uh, cancer experiences, really through the range uh, of treatment. You um, ha- have had surgery, you've had radiation, you've had chemotherapy, you talked about being diagnosed with a brain tumor in 89, uh, and then uh, many years later with, uh, w- with breast cancer. Can you um, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the side effects um, that you experienced in those two different uh, ranges of cancer treatment? Sure, sure. As I mentioned before, um, because um, my brain tumor um, that I had, first of all, was affecting all different areas of my brain, um, I experienced um, many side effects um, as far as I had to relearn to do everything all over again, which I'm still relearning in rehabilitation, but I believe in the model one step at a time. I see myself as a turtle. <laughs> and um, but the side effects I did have from that was because of the extensive radiation I received, which back then um, the radiation is a lot different from now because we've gone so far in technology that it's so much better right now and it's more directed toward the exact spots. But um, because back then how it was. We, there's a theory that the second brain tumor I had in 2006 could have been caused um, by the side effects of the radiation back then. Wow, wow. That's quite a side effect. <laughs> yeah. And, and the second tumor that you had, they were able to, they, they, they removed that surgically and mm-hmm. the, they um, determined it was not cancer, is that right? Right. It was a size of a fist, but fortunately it was benign, so they could just oh. take it right out. And so other than rehabilitation, I was good to go. Wow. And then when you had, um, when you were diagnosed with breast cancer and you had uh, both the surgery and the chemo, did you experience some side effects from the chemotherapy? Yes. Um, I definitely did. I um, was home a lot um, just because it was, I was too tired, just fatigue, just like you mentioned in the whole part of the show, you know, there's a lot of mention of fatigue because really you are so exhausted all the time and from the reactions to the certain medications, the body can be very sore and you can experience pains and hot and cold flashes. Um, and um, I had a lot of numbness in the area where they did the surgery because it affected um, that whole area through the... Um, I think, is it not the veins, but... Um, it's the nerves. The, the nerves, uh-huh, right. exactly, that were mm-hmm. um, cut or from that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did you experience, um, when you had chemo, did you lose your hair from the chemo? 
Yes, I lost my hair from the chemo. This and is you, the second time were, of my life that I lost my hair. And you were experiencing the, uh, uh, fatigue as well as a result of that? And yes, yes, and yes. And, um, not only I lost my hair, but I lost my eyebrows and my eyelashes, which I nev- I didn't lose the first time. Wow. But, but yeah, so, but, you know, as I'll talk about later, yeah. I the wellness community really helped me with that, and I am so happy about that. Yes, we will absolutely talk about that. Um, Ruth, I know we've talked about some side effects that can be, uh, as we said, pretty um, uh, pretty important to to monitor and to, to, to talk to your doctor about, and um, that, that they can actually be dangerous if you don't monitor them and take care of them. Sure. Um, but 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 tell us a little bit about hair loss because we know that it's something that people oftentimes associate with cancer treatment, um, uh, perhaps a side effect that's not necessarily as, as physically challenging, but maybe a little bit more mentally or emotionally challenging. So tell us, first of all, why does cancer treatment cause hair loss, and, and how can someone manage such a drastic change to his or her own appearance? Right. Every chemotherapy does not cause hair loss. So I think mm-hmm. it's important to pe- for people to realize that <clears throat> everyone's not going to lose their hair. Okay. The majority of the therapies do. And it may be just partial hair loss, total hair loss. And as has been stated by um, Astrid, it could be hair all over your body. And that can be very, very surprising. All of a sudden you're taking a shower and, whoo, you're a newborn baby. Yeah. And it's very frustrating. And um, it occurs in men and women. There's no preference. Women tend to have a, a lot more of an emotional response to it than men. Many women with breast cancer in particular say that that was one of the hardest things through therapy was to lose their hair. And it usually occurs about 10 to 14 days after starting therapy, and it's recommended to see um, a hair specialist, a wig specialist, prior to losing your hair so that you can get something that looks just like you. A lot of people don't necessarily use a wig. They'll use a scarf. They'll use a cap. They'll go natural and be very, very comfortable with it. The key thing in that, though, is to make sure your head stays warm because we know that we lose a lot of heat um, through our head and also um, sunscreen. It's an area that's never seen the sun before, so there's always a potential for a burn. But it's a very emotional mm-hmm. time. Um, you'll hear a lot of patients talk about how it got thin, so I just decided to shave it off. And often it's their significant other that does the shaving for them. It, it, and so it can make things very intimate and very discouraging at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I, I, I still um, wear uh, uh, my a little ski hat all the time because, when yeah, I get cold all the time still. I don't think my body has recuperated from that. But also, yeah, I need to wear my hat all the time to keep warm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even in Miami, Astrid. <laughs> Even in Miami, I, I'm. People think, what is she doing? You know, she looks like she's um, going in winter wear. <laughs> you know, I'm always wearing my robes and all of that to keep warm because I freeze wherever I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, having been in Miami, I know that sometimes it's warm outside, but whenever you go inside, it's pretty chilly. Right. Mm-hmm. Crank up right. that air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So, so Astrid, I know that you have participated in programs at our wellness community there in Miami. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what kinds of programs and workshops you've participated in um, to help manage your side effects from treatment and also to just help uh, help cope with the with the disease overall? Um, well, in the look better, um, as I was wanted to mention before. Um, the Look Good, Feel Better class that they offer was really nice because, as Ruth was mentioning, losing your um, hair and your eyebrows and your eyelashes, um, which is really dependent on the medicine that you know, the chemotherapy gives you, um, it, it does make you feel, you know, not very attractive and everything. And so they had a they have a like a class for that where you go in and they teach you how to put on makeup to cover that up. And they also have things like the hats and the wigs, which you want to wear and makes you excited about because it's so strange that um, really the insurance does not pay for wigs, even though they're, they're a part you lose, just like everything else you can lose. You can lose a breast or an arm or a leg, but they don't, the insurance does not cover wigs, so wow. that was the kind of weird part. Yeah. Um, Some insurances do. They and do? If you do apply for it through your insurance. Yeah, they everybody's oh. insurance is different, mm-hmm. but it needs to be listed as a cranial prosthesis. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't like know that. Like a prosthetic device for your head. Say that again, Ruth. It needs to be listed as a what? Cranial Prosthesis. Great. I just want to make sure folks heard okay. that. Cranial yeah. Prosthesis. For all the women that hear that, that's very important. Great. Right. Yeah. I want everybody to hear that because that is yeah. important. And I guess, Ruth, the other thing is it's important uh, for you to call your insurance company in advance if you are diagnosed and believe that you have a treatment that will lead to this hair loss, that you call your insurance company in advance and make that inquiry and ask them if they will cover that, correct? Correct. And there are organizations that will provide free wigs. So okay. it's really... Um, again, talk to your, I'm going to say your oncology nurse because I think yeah. that they give lots of information because they'll give you um, some areas to contact yeah. for free wigs or areas in the community that have been proven to be good resources. Excellent. So, um, yeah, let's emphasize that. If you're, uh, if you're worried about these issues, folks, and if you want to know uh, how to get some of these resources, talk to your oncology nurse because we, we know here at the wellness community that uh, the oncology nurses are out on the front line doing a great job, and we love our oncology nurses, so we encourage you to ask your oncology nurse uh, about that information where, they, where you can get wigs in your community, where you can get other wraps and turbans and things like that uh, that we know are available through a lot of community resources. Um, so, Astrid, you said you, you participated in the Look Good, Feel Better program, um, and did you also participate in other programs at the wellness yes, community? Yes, definitely. Exercise um, and those kinds of things? Oh, yes. Um, well, first of all, I have to mention, because I love them like crazy, um, is the support groups that are there. Mm-hmm. I attend both the brain tumor support group and the breast cancer support group, and they're just so wonderful because it's like you develop a family and um, inside the groups, and you can ask each other questions and answer them. And I mean, it's just it's just wonderful. Um, you learn all these things you never thought about, but that are so important for you to know. And they're just wonderful. And also, the exercise classes are amazing because. I need a lot of rehabilitation myself and keep working on it every single day. But, you know, they fill my mind, my spirit, and they're just 
so wonderful that, and they're all for free, and everyone is so nice there that it's just it's just wonderful. There, right? That's terrific. That's terrific, Astrid. Um, Ruth, we have about a minute or, or so mm-hmm. until our break, but um, is it true that by, by participating in support groups, um, one can actually improve his or her ability to manage side effects? Absolutely, and it's a well-known fact that the support group also increases your immune system. And they found, particularly in breast cancer, patients with breast cancer, that their response rate improves as a result of a support group. Tell us a little bit more about that, that Ruth. Um, Do we know what causes that? Is it the? Is it? I know we talk at the wellness community a lot about the mind-body connection, or your, you know, your. Yeah, ability to... you know, I'm not quite sure whether it's. Um, Again, your mind-body connection, whether it's a stimulation of your immune system, whether it gives you the tools to fight harder. Um, I know in my experience with my patients with breast cancer, I remember this one conversation. The one one woman was newly engaged, and her fiancé wanted to come to the look good, feel better. Mm -hmm. And the conversations got pretty feminine, and uh, he said, oh, I think I'm going to leave. And that allowed the women to talk about issues such as sexuality, lubrication, things that, as far as self-image, body image, right. how to feel good um, and present yourself well. And it was great. She w- she just is, is so charged now. That's terrific. I, I know that we hear a lot about the data that says that when, when people have a support community, when they have a support network around them, that they do better. Mm-hmm. They do better in fighting illness. They do better, as you say, in sort of boosting uh, boosting their immune system. They learn how to how to sort of reframe the illness and, and, and develop a sort of a new attitude towards their, their cancer experience, and a lot of that can be learned in a group setting. And yeah. I feel like somebody knows what they're talking about mm-hmm. because they, the people that they're talking to have been there, done that, rather than we in the healthcare profession, <clears throat> we can only surmise what they're feeling, but we really don't feel the feelings. Right. Right, so the important that the importance of that support is really uh, uh, is really critical, and I know at the wellness community we're trying to reinforce that message to folks that listen, you know, you're going to your doctor for the you know for the treatment, for the medicine, for the surgery, and that you need to uh, you need to find support in your community to help you manage and, and cope with all the other aspects of the illness. Um, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Hello. Hi, Bill. Uh, this is George Dewey from up the street. Oh, hey, George. How you doing? Good, good. Say, I noticed you've been walking to work these days instead of driving, mm. and I uh, don't quite know how to say this, but... But... But what? But... But... Your butt. Your buttocks. Your butt. I think I found your butt on my front lawn. Have you recently lost it? As a matter of fact, I have, George. It's about time someone noticed. Well, it was kind of hard to miss, if you know what I mean. Anyways, would you like it back? Would I like it back? No, not really. So it's okay if I throw it out? Sure, that's fine. Take it easy, George. Small step number eight. Walk instead of driving whenever you can. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to help you become a healthier, well, you. Get started at www.smallstep.gov and take a small step to get healthy. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 
Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org. The Wellness Community, celebrating over 25 years of cancer support, education, and hope. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I am joined by oncology nurse, oncology nurse Ruth Gulls and two-time cancer survivor Astrid Nikosti. Uh, we've been going over some very common side effects from cancer treatments and offering tips on what you can do to cope uh, with those side effects. We've uh, discussed fatigue. We've discussed hair loss. Um, but, uh, Astrid, you mentioned um, numbness uh, as one of the side effects um, uh, that you experienced. And um, I'm going to start with Ruth. Um, we talked a little bit earlier in the show about, about that word neuropathy, Ruth, about that numbness and tingling in the hands and the feet. I want to talk a little bit more about that. Tell, tell us a little bit more about what it is, what causes it, and what people can do if they begin experiencing that sort of numbing and tingling uh, as a result of or after their cancer treatment. Well, again, it's not a side effect of every chemotherapeutic agent, mm-hmm. but it's a very common side effect. And if somebody has a history of diabetes, they're more prone to develop it. If they um, have some vitamin deficiencies, they're more prone to develop it. If they um, have a history of alcohol use, they're more prone to developing neuropathy. So, again, it's important to see the history prior to getting chemotherapy that somebody gets a a good neurology assessment so they can get a baseline and know where that person is. Um, The first thing somebody would experience is, is that it starts the farthest away from your heart. So it usually starts in your fingers and your toes, Mm -hmm. and patients will complain of numbing, burning, electric. And that basically what it is, it's the the nerves have been affected by the therapy. Okay. And so to prevent it or to manage it, you give a medication that quiets down the nerves, such as B vitamins. Sometimes you'll give an agent that's normally used for seizures. They'll use it quiet down the nerves. Um, some facilities will use a combination of calcium and magnesium prior to therapy or after therapy. Um, there's no proven method. Um, the key thing is to catch it, catch it early, and eliminate it from becoming an issue where it affects the quality of your life. Okay. 
Okay, that's that's really good information. Um, and, and I think I just want to continue to reinforce with folks who are listening today as part of the conversation. I want to reinforce that that if you are in in treatment for cancer and you're experiencing any of these side effects, you really should talk to your medical team uh, about that. Um, and they're going to do, uh, you know, pull out all those tools that they have in their arsenal to help you manage these side effects. Um, I know sometimes, uh, Ruth, folks say, oh, you know, I don't really want to tell my doctor about my side effects because I'm afraid that, you know, that he's going to stop my treatment or um, uh, that it's going to, you know, impact my ability to, to you know, have a good outcome right. uh, from my treatment. But I know that a lot of times what the doctor will do is they'll just maybe adjust the dose of your treatment or they'll get you these other medications to help manage the side effects while you're on your treatment. Is that right? You know, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's crucial. A lot of people are so afraid to tell, tell you what's going on. They'll say that they feel great. Yeah. And then you talk to their family member or significant other, and they'll tell you, oh, my God, he's not ever, never out of bed. And so it's important to not just talk to the patient but to talk to the family because, as you said, the patient does not want to give up their therapy. It's their lifeline. It's their way to survive. And, and if they start talking about side effects, there's the potential that they won't receive the drug. But absolutely, drug uh, people can get a drug holiday. People can get a reduction in dose. They can increase the length of time between treatments. And we have um, tools available to us to minimize those side effects. Great, great. Yeah. Um, now, Astrid, I know that that the, you know you talked a little bit about how that issue was really pretty severe for you. That numbness, uh, that tingling, and some of those sort of nor, you know uh, neurological issues, and some of those kind of space perception issues. That those are really intense issues. What in, in, in how did you talk to your medical team about that, and, and and how did you help to kind of cope with 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 some of those side effects? Um. Well, basically, um, it was all therapy and exercise um, with my with my arm, especially, mm-hmm. and the other parts of my body, and just totally always focusing on what I'm doing and taking care of that and doing the best I can, and also nutrition. It was so such an important thing you know, to make sure that I'm always eating right and not putting anything bad into my body and also the attitude and just taking everything one step at a time and being okay with it, just letting it be okay and be being happy with myself and what was going on and just keep moving forward no matter what. If you... Um, made a great point also as far as exercise. Um, a lot of people feel like it's an oxymoron. We're asking them to exercise when they are just so exhausted. Yeah. But exercise will help reduce the neuropathy if you catch it early. Mm-hmm. It will incre- improve the fatigue. Mm-hmm. And if your insurance allows it, it would be really important to have one or two um, meetings with a physical therapist to go over some strategies that you can use at home and identify some areas to improve That's great. Your, your strengthening. And um, very often, if you've been in the hospital or deconditioned, they'll help you get that conditioning up. Excellent. And I know that at all of our wellness communities, we, you know, we have 26 across the country, and I know we have exercise programs at all of our wellness communities. They include things like um, uh, yoga, uh, tai chi, uh, gentle, gentle movement, gentle stretching. And I know one of the things that folks 
tell us is they really appreciate being able to go to some exercise classes in a place where they're with other people who've experienced cancer, where they can find their own comfort zone, they can find their own, you know, range of motion in a place where people are are, are having a similar experience and they don't necessarily feel as self-conscious about that when they're among other cancer survivors. Right, because it's so hard sometimes um, to do it on your own. You know, you hear what the doctors tell you and everything like that. But but then when it when you're home, you know, it's it just it's so easy and you get so tired sometimes. You know, but really to get out there and find a place like the wellness community, especially, you know, to to help you to help you move forward. You know, with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, in every step. Is a good step. You know, you, if you can only take two steps one day, then make it three steps the next day. I yeah. think the key piece, too, though, is to balance because some people tend to overdo, and then the next day they've lost a day in their lives because they're just in bed all day. Yeah. So it's very, very important to keep it at a balance and not overextend and not underextend. It's a life challenge. Yeah. Well, I hear, I hear people saying, you know, it's, 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 it's adjusting to the new normal in mm-hmm. your life, you right. know, that just because you ran five miles a day before doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to do that now or that you might have to just, you know, just, uh, as you said, take some small steps um, right. and and find out what your new range is and, and, and really kind of find a, find a way to kind of cope with that and work within your new, you know, kind of range of motion and, and, and capacity. And don't be afraid to ask anybody for help. Yeah. No, that yeah, that's so important, All you know, because you'll need things no matter if you think you won't. Right. And you should have someone always with you and help to also be, you know, the you, your, um, what do you call it? What's that? Per- what's the name of that person? The your drill care- sergeant. Your <laughs> advocate? Your caregiver, your advocate? Yeah, the caregiver, the give advocate, and also a drill sergeant. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Somebody that can keep you honest. Mm-hmm. You going? Yes. Hey, Ruth, we just have a minute or two before we, we go to the break, but I just want to talk quickly. Can you comment? You mentioned earlier that we're doing a better job managing nausea and vomiting much better than we used to in, in, in cancer treatment. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that for a minute, kind of, you know, where the nausea and vomiting comes from, what causes it, and how, right. what, how, we're, how we're treating it? Well, there's a receptor in the brain called the, um, the vomiting center, and what we've been able to do is, block that receptor so that there's no um, message to the brain saying, get sick. Wow. And so we've gotten a lot of new chemotherapies in the last five to ten years to reduce that. We've got um, a lot of anti-emetics or anti-nausea medicines for short-time nausea. Yeah. We've got medications for delayed nausea. Some chemotherapies, you won't start getting nauseated or, or vomiting or throwing up until three to four days later. So we've got therapies for that. And then um, we've got, there's something called anticipatory nausea and vomiting. Mm -hmm. That is um, that you feel nauseated before you even start therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's very common in the younger population. And so we've got therapies available for that. Excellent, excellent. So uh, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, On Frankly Speaking About Cancer today, we're talking about uh, side effects of cancer and cancer treatment. We're talking about some effective methods and strategies uh, to manage those side effects. Um, We have two uh, terrific guests with us, a cancer survivor and an oncology nurse, and we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. 
A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Holistic health and well-being covers many facets, including stress, time management, weight loss, cardiovascular training, and aging. And that's just to name a few. Your life without limits will help to sort it all out for you. Join host Joe Sardi and the top minds in holistic health and well-being for an educational and entertaining hour. Listen for Your Life Without Limits. Heard every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. For more than 25 years, the wellness community has been the nation's leader in providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at one of our 26 centers in the U.S. and abroad, the wellness community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-WELL or visit us online at www.thewellness.com community.org that's the wellness community.org the wellness community celebrating over 25 years of cancer support education and hope a fresh look at today's health voice america health and wellness listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Wellness Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. April is National Cancer Fatigue Awareness Month, and on today's show, we've been talking about ways to manage your side effects from cancer treatment. Uh, before we discuss the um, emotional impact of side effects, I just want to talk quickly about the risk of infection, which can be a pretty serious uh, issue if not caught, if not managed. Um, Ruth, tell us about this. Uh, we know that sometimes patients can get an infection uh, it, when they're having cancer treatment. Why is it such a big issue, and, and what can we do to avoid it or to manage it? Well, the white blood cells in your body help you fight infection, and there are a cell that divides rapidly. So when you get chemotherapy, it knocks out those cells. Mm. And when those cells get low, which um, occur during the nadir, N-A-D-I-R, usually 10 to 14 days after therapy, a person is at great risk of infection because you just don't have those infection fighters. So to reduce the possibility of infection, sometimes a patient might receive a growth factor drug to stimulate production of white blood cells. If you don't receive that, um, it's very, very important that you stay away from anyone with a cold or flu, that you stay away from anyone that has received an active vaccine, and that's always difficult for a parent whose children are being vaccinated. Another thing is the importance of good hygiene, Mm -hmm. good oral care. The areas that usually become infected are your mouth or your rectum, so you have to have strong hygiene. through bowel and bladder, as well as oral care. And it's also very important to monitor your temperature every single day. And if the temperature becomes greater than 100.4, it's 
imperative that you contact your health care provider right then. Yeah. Not wait. So, Ruth, I know this is kind of a relevant topic today, but obviously the headlines on the news today are about Interesting. the swine flu, swine flu mm-hmm. outbreak in the U.S. They said it's fairly contained and not, not widespread at this point, but does that mean that, 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 that folks particularly with cancer or with a compromised immune system should, be, should have sort of a heightened awareness about human contact, about the kind of hygiene issues you're talking about? Oh, they should be, have a heightened awareness of everything. Yeah. Of anybody that's coughing next to them, anybody that's itching, um, somebody that might be sneezing. Um, and we don't want to change their social life terribly, but be alert to people in church, people at, at um, work, people at the mall or the movies. Those might be times to just kind of lay low and take good care of yourself. Does it help to wear a mask? I see sometimes, you know, I've been seeing on the news the yeah. past couple of days folks walking around with masks on. Does that help? I think when you're wearing a mask, it protects you from respiratory illnesses. Mm-hmm. And the swine flu is uh, an airborne virus. So in that arena, they're wearing the masks. But as far as a person who's neutropenic, yeah. um, usually they infect themselves themselves from the organs they are the organisms that are already in their body. Because we already have um, bacteria in our body. You just can't fight it when you don't have the cells to do it. Yeah. So yeah. not necessarily, unless you're bone marrow transplant. Okay. All right. So, you know, it, I mentioned at the start of the segment, it's important for people to also recognize really the emotional impact uh, of cancer and the side effects uh, from cancer treatment. As I said, it really changes your, changes your life, changes your daily living, changes this kind of new normal that you need to find after going through a cancer experience. Um, Astrid, what, what are one or two of the most helpful tips you would offer to someone who's having difficulty coping with their, uh, coping with their side effects? Uh, any advice that you would provide? Well, um, I've had a lot of time to um, accept my cancers and um, deal with them, and I think that's such a big um, thing is to accept what's going on and that's okay and that the decision you make, you know, to be a victim or not to be or to be a warrior and really kick butt and, you know, say, okay, this is happening to me, you know, I, what am I going to do? I'm going to find out, you know, what can I do to make everything go as best that it can, you know, and what can, you know, really I can do on my own as well to help the doctors help me and to move forward. And I think that's, that's what I'd say was the biggest thing that I learned through all of this of what to do, you know, to cope is to first get the attitude myself about coping. And then once that's there and you're, you know, educating yourself and, um, yeah, that's it with exercise and nutrition as well. And, Astrid, you you, you talked a little bit about the importance of finding a community of support. Uh, You talked about the wellness community. Um, is that advice you would give to folks who are diagnosed with cancer to find that, that, that community, to find those resources where you are? I, I definitely would. I, after I had brain cancer the first time, I was younger, but I also had a lot to deal with to accept that, and I never did. But my, the second time with breast cancer, when I was given the pamphlet 
um, about the wellness community, and I looked finally picked, looked through something, you know, and I saw it and finally went to it. I mean, the how my life has changed positively. I am just so happy and excited that I did do that because I wished I had done that much earlier. But I think the wellness community was the best thing I ever did. Wow. I think we have um, really good things available to us. And the good thing about the wellness community and other support services is that they keep you up. And it's really important for people with cancer to stay with positive people, not negative people. And sometimes you have to change your friends because you don't need to be around somebody that's negative. Another thing that, in my experience, patients have found helpful is so many times you get 20, 30 phone calls a day. And so if you develop a blog that they can get into and they can find out how you're doing so that you don't have to answer questions all day long. Yeah. It's very, very, it's very tedious to repeat yourself 30 times a day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Ruth, what other advice would you give someone who's just been diagnosed with cancer? Um, I, I, maybe you can comment. I know one one thing that that uh, a lot of folks say is, you know, you got to get a second opinion or maybe even a, you know, a third opinion. Um, so what what advice would you, uh, you know, you've just been diagnosed with cancer. What are kind of two or three top, uh, uh, two or three quick tips that you might give someone if they've been diagnosed? Well, first of all, I'd make sure that they go to a um, a good medical oncologist that they don't. Or if they go to a surgeon that it's a surgical oncologist, that they're all board certified and that, that it's a well-recognized uh, group of physicians. Secondly, I'd encourage them to read appropriate websites. There's a lot of websites that are too scary or give information that's absolutely false. Yeah. I'd also encourage them to have a strong network and, again, just circle yourself with people that you want to be with, not people who necessarily want to be with you because they feel so bad. Um, And then thirdly, I would just encourage them to ask questions and keep a journal because that's the only way you're going to really remember. Um, In addition to the physical fatigue, there's something called a cognitive fatigue or chemo brain. And you just need to take, keep more lists, keep, keep everybody honest, make sure that you get correct information double-check that information, and always, always have a champion with you. Fantastic. These are all really, really great tips. I, I want to mention that um, with our educational booklet, Frankly Speaking About Cancer Treatment, that does come with a journal, uh, and the, the, uh, folks can order that uh, free from us. Uh, they can call us at 888-793-WELL, W-E-L-L, or they can go to www.thewellnesscommunity.org. Uh, to request, uh, frankly speaking, about cancer treatment and the accompanying free journal that goes along with that. I just I, I want to thank you guys so much uh, for being on the show today. It's really been um, it's been a wonderful uh, and really enlightening conversation, and um, I just uh, appreciate the time uh, the time that you have both taken to um, uh, to be with us. As I mentioned, uh, folks, April is national. Cancer Fatigue Awareness uh, Month. If you would like additional information on cancer fatigue, you can also uh, visit the American Cancer Society at www.cancer.org. And just quickly, uh, Ruth and Astrid, do you have any quick parting thoughts for our listeners today? Astrid, I'll start with you. Um, I would just say take a deep breath 
and move forward and it's, you know what? Everything always has a way of getting better if you really think about it and just be strong, you know, have a good, positive attitude and, and live your life. Wonderful. And Ruth, what would you tell our listeners? Yeah, I would say don't do the journey alone. Um, And I would also like to say that I've been doing oncology nursing for 30-some years, and a lot of people say when I go to parties, oh, how can you do that? And I can honestly say that as a healthcare provider, I've been given far more than I give. And persons with cancer are the most courageous people in the entire world. Yeah. Well, I know here at the wellness community is certainly our priv- privilege to uh, to do this work, to provide free support and education to uh, tens of thousands of people with cancer mm-hmm. uh, across the country. Um, we uh, serve people with all cancers. We have people at all varying stages of, uh, of the illness, and uh, we have 26 centers across the country. We also have a very vibrant online community, so if you'd like to learn more, we'd ask folks to visit www.com thewellnesscommunity.org. There's also a place there online when you, where you can donate to the wellness community to support uh, our important work. I want to dedicate the show today to all cancer patients and survivors who are staying strong and managing their side effects and continuing to live their best lives in the face of cancer. Uh, until next time on Frankly Speaking About Cancer, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at thewellnesscommunity.org. That's thewellnesscommunity.org.